welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching strategy creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. Are your goals goals that you are continuously compelled to achieve? So that's your short, medium, long-term goals, your process, performance or outcome goals. Are you compelled to achieve them? If you aren't, are they goals that you can change? If you can't change the goals, can you change your perspective on the goals to keep you compelled? That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about why it's important for you to start thinking about the next part of your journey. You know, it might only be September, but we think it's a really important time for you to be thinking about the next stage of your journey. And that's what Lydia and I are going to talk about today. You have got Lydia and I again. Yep, I'm back. I'm still still doing my thing. Well, you say you're still back. practicing yeah. speaking. Still practicing speaking. Lauren has um, retired from passion, from from podcasting. Um, she uh, she's decided that she's a YouTuber. Um, she's doing her YouTube editing this week and she's writing um, some articles for uh, some magazine content. So uh, she has said that she'll be back next week. Awesome. Um, to talk about some things that I think she feels are quite important. But today you've got Lydia and I again discussing what the how you start thinking or why you need to start thinking about the future now. Yeah. Okay. I so, love this topic. You love this topic. And this was your choice of topic, Nitz. It was, actually. Okay, so do you want to talk about why you thought it was important to talk about this today? Well, for me, like, I um, I always think there's loads of opportunity at any time of the year. And there's... A few years ago, actually, I wrote a blog about mm-hmm. um, off-season and why I felt it was the wrong terminology and how it should be seen more as, like, a skill season. Um, because for me, like, that time of year is... A really really unique opportunity where you've got that unbroken consistency um, to really start to develop yourself athletically and and also look at the other balances that you've got going on in life as well yeah um, and for me the term off season just kind of constituted complacency mm. and you see a lot of people are oh it's off season off season it's kind of like a thrown around term and not really looked at as strategic mm. um, and a lot of people then use it and keep going and going and going and then you get to March, April time and everyone's like, oh no, right, panic, like Mm. the season's about to start Mm. rather than actually being, do you know what, I'm really confident with how I've utilised this time Mm. and I know I've set myself Mm. up for the best possible chance of um, having a cracking season this year. Yeah, so yeah, off-season, again, for me is a bit of a strange term in that I understand in some sports and even in our sports why you'd have what you think about as being an off-season. So of course, in team-based sports where there's like a league, you know, hockey, football, rugby, American football, whatever it might be, there'd be an off-season where the league isn't running. That would make sense. For some sports that are seasonal, you'd also expect there to be some element of off-season unless you moved um, hemispheres yeah, or countries. So, you know, winter sports are tricky to do in the summer. Yeah. Because they're winter, winter sports. sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously there's an element of that, isn't there? And again, in triathlon, triathlon is probably a sport that's you know, geared more towards fair weather. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know quite know why we've decided that triathlon's a good idea to do in the UK because the weather's not very often fair. Today's a good example, isn't it? Well, Weymouth was quite a good example. Weymouth was quite a good example. <laughs> um, although every time we go to watch a, watch a race in Wales, it seems to be lovely. It's always um, sunny in Wales, isn't it? Always sunny in Wales. So, <clears throat> um, I, I think off-season is in, an interesting phrase. And you're right, one of the things that we often see with athletes is... Um, Sometimes an element of complacency, sometimes an element of relief. You know, athletes feeling relieved that mm. they've got to the off season that they don't need to train anymore. Um, and you know, for me, that's a bit. I find that a bit strange actually, because yeah, even as a, yeah, even as a hockey player, I can't say that the off season, which was the summer in hockey, um, appealed to me greatly. I missed playing. I used to love playing, and I used to play summer league. As a result of that, I didn't train as hard during the summer. You know, I had an easier period of time, perhaps three months, where I maybe didn't train quite as hard. Um, I wouldn't say I didn't train at all. I probably didn't do like as much skill practice as I would have done in the in the season, but I still did a lot of fitness training to keep my fitness up, especially as I got older. 
Um, but I did a few, and I did a few other things. You know, I rode my mountain bike a little bit more, that kind of thing. But fundamentally, I still played hockey, you know, through the summer because I enjoyed it. And as a triathlete, I've always found it a bit strange because for a lot of people, they choose triathlon because they're really fascinated by it. I hope they do. Um, and it seems odd that you should be, you know, really looking forward to having a break from something you love. Now, of course, we all get fatigued. We all get tired from a physiological point of view, from a strategic point of view. It's important for us to have rest and recovery and downtime, both physically and mentally. That's, of course, really appropriate. And that can form, well, that could take the form of different things for different people at different periods in their journey. But this idea of, you know, needing, looking forward to the off-season, I find a bit strange, you know. Um, it's I've always found this a bit strange, and I'm going to get shot down here. I expect by them, my mother probably more than anybody. It's like teachers. I always find teachers, you know, harping on on social media about how it, how they can't wait for the end of term and they're really looking forward to the holidays. holidays. Yeah, and you know what? I get it. You know, any job, particularly teaching, having watched my mum be a teacher, you know, is challenging, and you know, there's a lot of fatigue that builds up, and that break is really important. But I would have thought that you know something like teaching, for example, would be something you'd done because you loved it. Yeah. And even and during the holidays, you'd miss it. Um, and, um, you know, for me, you know, I've chosen to become a triathlete as an athlete, first of all, and then as a coach, because I find the sport really interesting, really fascinating, really enjoyable, really motivating, gives me a sense of purpose and fulfillment. And the idea of having an off season doesn't scare me, but equally isn't something that I'm really excited about doing. Um, because... I really enjoy doing what I'm doing. I do take an off-season of some kind. That doesn't always fall in the winter. This year, it's largely fallen in the summer for yeah. me um, because I know it's important, but it's like a deliberate choice to ensure that I maximise my potential over a 12 or 24 or 36-month period. I think that's the key word there. It's a deliberate choice. Yeah. And I think that's where people miss a lot of opportunity. Yeah. As in, they don't make the deliberate choice to think, okay, well, off-season, how am I going to use it, firstly, in terms yeah. of, like, a duration, say? Yeah. So, say you've had your last key race of the season, which a lot of people will have started to do yeah. now. And then it's, okay, well, I take a, a couple of weeks just to sort of... And we have, like, forced... Yeah, it, could, training, it might be longer, might Yeah, it might be, it might be. Yeah. yeah, dependent on circumstances, etc. Yeah. And, and then use that proactively to do all the things you don't necessarily have the opportunity yeah. to in like peak season yeah but then it becomes to a point where it's right okay then you need to start thinking about next yeah. year and i think yeah. that's where people don't necessarily get it right yeah if it then drags on too long and it's not necessarily deliberate choice it's yeah. more than like we're talking about that complacency piece yeah yeah and it seems really strange that people would be really looking for i mean again i know that we all need a break from all kinds of things at certain times you know obviously apart from like lego you know, Lego's, Lego's amazing all the time. You just have to pace yourself you just have it's to too pace, much fun. You just have to pace yourself. Um, but, um, and also the, the, there's that anti-climax when you finish making the model, isn't there? You know, you, you, you get too excited, you build it too quickly, and then, oh my God, now what do I do? Um, anyway, we digress, as per normal. So, but it seems a little bit strange yeah, that people would be looking forward to a break from all kinds of things, especially intense things is really important. Um and also, the other thing that I've always been a bit perplexed by is people's um, lack of motivation to get back. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I've always argued this, is that if you're really, like, desperate for or keen for an off-season or really struggling to find the motivation to get back to something, maybe you're doing it wrong in the first place. You know, like, like we said, we're not saying that you shouldn't have breaks course that's really really important but if you really need a break that badly and then finding the motivation to get back again is really difficult I'd argue that maybe you're not getting the balance right you know as a professional it might be a bit different like view lids you know as a professional you know there's a slightly different there's a slightly different twist on the journey but for age groupers this is supposed to be our hobby this is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be the thing that gives us additional fulfillment adds something more enjoyable to our lives and if it's not doing that for you anymore then i guess the big question is why are you doing it at all um you know if it started to become very task driven you know very job-like very transactional when training becomes the grind yes exactly then you know is it really something that you should be doing um, and of course, we talked about this quite a lot on our, our podcasts, haven't we? And we talk about a lot, a lot about this in general. Is that you know, have sometimes do we start something that's a hobby? So we start something as a hobby, 
it's a challenge that we're excited by we're motivated by we can't wait to do um we're excited by the challenge itself perhaps we enter a triathlon or an ironman to you know test ourselves and find out about ourselves and then after a period of years it becomes a grind mm. you know and we can't live without it but we can't live with it you know we can't live without it but our life with it becomes frustrating demotivating you know we struggle to enjoy it anymore you know when people talk about oh you know i, I hate going swimming or i hate running or I find swimming boring, or I find running boring, or I hate this type of session, or I find it hard to be motivated to train. I kind of always wonder why you're doing it. Yeah. Because from a health and well-being point of view, training for triathlon is arguably not that healthy. Oh, no. You know, um, no one really knows for sure, but, you know, healthy level of exercise probably doesn't equate to what most triathletes do. And certainly long distance triathletes yeah yeah well, yeah exactly i mean what i don't know what the recommended daily is but it's sort of like 30, 30 minutes. minutes walk isn't it or something 30 minutes so, moderate exercise yeah. yeah yeah that's right so i think you know i think it seems strange that and obviously in the passion fit community we don't tend to see this being the case but we do see it be the case in the wider in the wider wider traveling wider world. Yeah. worlds yeah so I think there's a few things to ponder there, isn't it? You know, if you're feeling like you've got to this time of year and you're exhausted physically and mentally and you're desperate to have a break and you're not even really sure what, you know, the next step looks like for you once you've had that break, then, you know, it's probably a good idea to really start to revisit your goals as a whole, you know, the why behind those goals, what it is that underpins them. Is, it, is this something that really is the same for you now as it was when you first started? And is maybe something different, something you need to consider, or is a different approach to the same thing? Well, yeah. Something you need to consider. Um, you know, is there a way that you could approach this journey that maybe would change the way it feels for you? And we've already talked a bit about you know, some of the things that we believe in. You know, obviously we believe strongly in self-determination theory, the importance of competence, autonomy and relatedness, you know, and that we try to create an environment where athletes, you know, develop competence, assume autonomy, and are part of something. Um, and those things can be huge motivators. And often if you're not feeling motivated or you want a break, sometimes those things are missing, mm. aren't they? Well, yeah. you know, one of the things about the athletes that we coach is that they, because for example, they are in control of their processes, their journey, they, you know, for example, they choose to take a break because that fits. Yeah, yeah, not because it happens to be the end of the year, not because it happens to be the winter, not because they're exhausted, never because they're exhausted, no, in fact. No, never. Actually. You know, most of our athletes don't want to take a break because they're buzzing about their journey. And of course, that's really reassuring because that means that we're getting it right. Yeah. Um, and um, of course, they're part of something. So even throughout the year, they feel part of something. So again, that motivation's not lost. Yeah. You know, a lot of our athletes, as you know, we run a virtual programme that runs all the way through the year in fact we run a session on christmas day morning it's great fun it's great fun <laughs> it's great fun because it means that people can get away from their families for a couple of hours which seems to be the main driver behind most people joining <laughs> um but um um i hope nobody's athletes families are listening to this because then they'll know why they're on the they're but, on the virtual yeah, they'll probably say my coach says i have to train this morning <laughs> um but we run it because being part of something's really important and a lot of those athletes they don't even Often when they join our sessions, they're not even necessarily training, are they? No, as such. no, no. Sometimes they just come on to listen to yeah. the coaching input. And yeah. Like even for myself, like I don't, I could train at any time of the day. Yeah. Essentially, but I I choose to jump on the virtual sessions at ten past six on the yeah. in the morning because I actually get a little bit of FOMO yeah. for not being on them. Yeah. Um, and listening to how everyone's got on, how they found, found yeah. the session. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So even as a professional athlete that relatedness piece that sense of belonging yeah. and that community I feel it's a huge difference. is really important isn't yeah. it yeah i mean it's i i couldn't comprehend not having that yeah like i know a lot of athletes especially pros are training mostly yeah. full-time on their own yeah and yeah it blows my mind how how they managed to do it because i guess they haven't had the counterfactual have they no um so it'd be yeah odd to not have that community feel when you're going through that process but it's so motivating isn't it yeah exactly yeah um and of course you get the amazing luxury of training with me most of the time Uh, that was an intentional dead awkward silence there (laughs) i think that's probably more of a luxury for lauren because she gets rid of me for a few hours every day (laughs) okay so um i think this is something to consider so when you're thinking about how you're feeling you know like i said for a lot of people 
<laughs> we're coming up to the end of the 2023 season. You know, particularly UK athletes. Weymouth may have been, you know, the, the last, last race. There are a few other races, I think, still on. Yeah, um, I mean, probably a lot of people are hitting up Portugal, aren't they? Yeah, there's a few European races still to go. Obviously, we're doing Lanzarote Ocean Lava in a few yeah. weeks' time. Um, then there are cycling events going on. And, of course, through the winter, there's a lot of duathlon stuff, isn't there? But for a lot of people, this will be, they'll be coming up to or may have already had the end of their race season. And people may be, um, you know, feeling a little bit like there's a bit of an anticlimax, a bit lost, not sure what to do, maybe feeling they haven't got something to motivate them. That's the other one I get against me is people needing that race deadline I to motivate that one. Yeah. I always find, you know, I understand, I get it, I see why it happens. But again, I, I'd always argue that if that's something you really need, I wonder if, you know, you're doing it right. Um, and um, you know again in 20 years of hockey I never felt like I needed the season to be starting for me to, to be motivated to start yeah you didn't preparing. need the impetus to, no. to get cracking um, um, and I, I certainly never look forward to the end of the season that's for sure so um, and I only retired because I was rubbish by the time I got to the end of my career and I was just frustrated with not being able to play uh, you know in a way that I would have wanted to um, and I just 20 years is a long time, so I'll yes. do I, I fancied a new challenge. Um, so you know, if you're in that place, then maybe it's time to think about how you can do something about that. What can you do to change the way that you feel about the fact it's the end of this season? What can you do to change the way you feel about you know a break, an off season? Um, because like you said, Liz, you don't like the phrase off season, you know, you've used the phrase skill season, yeah. haven't you, quite a lot? So yeah. immediately that you get to the end of a race. In a race season you start thinking about okay what do I need to be developing yeah because it's it's actually quite an exciting time of year if you yeah. look at it from from the flip side like you can't change what's happened in in the race season that's that's gone no. but you can learn from it yeah and then you can look at it as thinking okay well I've got like October through to say like March yeah. which is the best part of like what five or six months yeah. of essentially unbroken consistency yeah. to really set yourself up for, for next year. Yeah. And that's quite cool when you look at it from that perspective. But yeah. it's also recognising that time's going to go by flipping fast, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And not getting to the point where you're starting 2024 yeah. and realise, okay, I haven't done everything I could have to be as prepared as possible now. Yeah, exactly. And for me, if you've got the balance right through the, you know, on a rolling basis through the course of any year... You know, it, there's a good chance that you don't really need a, a, a structured break, as it were. I, yeah. I mean, I don't mean you, you might not need a physical break, but also a mental break. So you might, you know, you might not need like, oh, well, I just need a month off from thinking about triathlon. Or I need a month off from thinking about sport, or whatever it might be. You know, and I also thought this about work as well. I mean, holidays are important. It's a reward. But, and of course, it's important that you get a recharge. But actually, there's a lot to be said for the for the fact that if you've got the balance right mm. over the course of any week, month, year, then actually that break isn't necessarily essential, and keeping going won't necessarily lead to burnout. Yeah, you know, it's it's all about. I mean, and obviously, it's it's about assessing on an individual basis. I mean, I work. Someone challenged me on this the other day. They challenged me about the fact that I work every day. So right, I work okay. every day. Yeah, sometimes. And I, well, yeah, I, I work every day. In one form or another, I work every day, and that's all through the year. You know, I've already mentioned that we, we lead a group session on Christmas Day. I don't really have a day off where I don't do any work at all. You know, I went to watch Weymouth on Sunday. I didn't really, well, actually, so I didn't do any admin, but I did do some in the car on the way home. Mm. I wasn't driving, right, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, I didn't do, but obviously being a coach, you know, we had athletes racing, it, it was still work. Um, and um, I... You know, I've had. I always have to be very careful because that was a, a fair challenge. You know, how do you know that you're not going to burn yourself out? How do you know you're not going to exhaust yourself? And I don't. I mean, occasionally I have short periods where I'm like, oh yeah, I can feel myself probably maybe getting a bit more disproportionately fatigued, either physically or mentally, than I should. Um, normally, that's le- linked to something going wrong. Normally, something you've done, Liz. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can feel that coming. But I'm really good at managing that and making sure it doesn't get to the point where I need, like, I'm forced into a situation. You have a phrase, stop yeah, before stop you, get, you stopped. get stopped. Yeah. And I'm really good, both physically and mentally, at recognising those moments approaching and then making sure that I adjust. And that might be as, as much as, you know, halfway through a day. It's a combination of factors that led to me 
feeling that sense of diminishing return and then saying, right, well, actually, I'm not going to do any more work today. You're right, because it's actually been really interesting, like, where I've been, where we work in studio mm. um, together and actually observing how you approach, like, your training and, and work as well has been quite insightful for me. Yeah. Because this is something I haven't always got right at all. Mm. And I kind of mentioned it before about how, like, at at work, when I used to work in the corporate world, that mm. whole, like, thing about, oh, if you're, if you're not answering emails quickly enough at night, all mm. of this sort of thing was... That was like the co- cultural norm. Mm. Whereas if you left the office, like bang on, like your your working hours essentially, that was kind of seen as you weren't pulling your weight mm. as much. Mm. And actually, for a lot of people, and this is where you're good, is you you'll stop and you'll take a break. You like sit and read your Lego magazine, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do read my I do read my Lego magazine. Yes. And actually, like you do stop proactively mm. and say, do you know, I've got to the point I need to stop, and I know that I'll be better for doing that. Mm. And I've taken a lot from that of like trying to have that confidence of mm. also doing the same mm. at points in time of like, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to be effective if I crack on right now. Yeah. I actually need to stop. And I think this is where, like, I definitely think I've improved this now in my training journey as well, mm. which hopefully will longer term lead to greater level consistency of embracing like taking a rest day yeah rather than it being one of those days that I'd actually dread and I think this is why it's then helped with that overall balance of how I like view my sort of racing year training year in whole and not getting to the point where at the end of a like the the key race season yeah I'm thinking I need to stop with that enforced time yeah, so I think, and in fact, I think we can simplify this by referring back to something we talked about in one of the earlier podcasts. One of the earlier podcasts that we put out, we talked about core accomplishment behaviours. Yeah. So the four core behaviours that we measure our athletes' level of accomplishment around. So we don't measure accomplishment by athletes' performances and outcomes. They're, they're not ignored, they're not irrelevant, but our, in Passion Fit, we manage athletes' level of accomplishment by their execution of certain behaviours. And there are normally four core behaviours that we look at with each individual. And and one of those is where their level of commitment. And of course, one of the things that's really important, or or the first two, the first is effective goal setting. The second is your level of commitment. And one of the things that's really important is that we, um, you know, we have a goal for our athletes that they're compelled to achieve their goals. So committed is okay. Compliant sometimes is okay existent sometimes is okay you know because we're humans and we have good days and bad days and some days you will just have to get stuff done you know it's it's still you know just get it i get it done day. yeah um but um like you know today for example the dog's gonna have to be walked um and i can't say I'm ex- you know some days i really look forward to that because it's you know it's, it's nice it's good downtime it's good mental headspace he's quite funny Today, not looking forward to it quite so much because at the moment it looks like it's going to be rainy and windy. Um, and um, the dog's also scared of the wind and doesn't like the rain. So it will be a bit more of an existent approach to that uh, that goal. But that goal can't go away and I have to accept existent today. Or maybe I'm compliant because I just do what I'm told by the dog. Um, but um, you know, one of the things is that we, we want our athletes to feel compelled all the time to achieve their goals. And if they're not in that place then we go back and have a look at the goals themselves. Well, actually, hang on a minute, maybe the goals aren't right. And of course, focusing those goals on behaviours, processes, um, generally generally working towards becoming a higher functioning version of yourself, rather than, I've got this race on this day, this is when I do or don't, this is when I need to start training for it, so therefore I've got this many weeks to go on the piss. We don't find that people fall into that trap. So if people aren't feeling compelled about their journey, like their day, really, I guess, and the goals that, you know, are, you know, they're setting around their behaviours and their processes, then we have a a reassessment of those goals. And if a race goal, for example, impacts how compelled they feel about that, then we, we assess whether or not it's appropriate. Or we might have a look at how they're positioning it. So we might have a look at their perspective around that goal. Because um, often that can be the other thing, is that sometimes someone's perspective about a race can affect their level of motivation for the processes. And of course, it can affect their motivation in the sense that it reduces their motivation level. So it takes them to a place where they feel less motivated. Because let's say, for example, you don't feel like you're going to achieve the goal you're going to achieve. 
so you think well what's the point anyway um i'm not going to do this so why bother um and that can happen also if the goal feels like a long way away sometimes yeah. we think well i don't need to start now um but again you know if if just because it's a lot i mean don't get me wrong i mean i'm not worrying too much about iron man lanzarotti next year at the moment but that doesn't mean that i'm not thinking about my behavior now and how my impact on that goal you know so there are still things i'm doing and i'm compelled to do them because i know they support that goal and i can do them now and i might not be able to do them in a few months time because of other factors so it's important to understand what things are important for me to doing for a goal that i've got in six months time and also i've also got a goal for three years time and what, what, what do I need to be thinking about there? And I want to go to New Zealand for the 70.3 world. So I'm already thinking about when can I have a qualifying race for that? And I, is there anything I need to be thinking about now that might impact on my ability to enter that race, fund that race and race at that race? So you're constantly aware of it. And I feel really compelled all the time. And I'm constantly going through that um, plan, do, review process to make sure that I never, you know, you know get... T- I get 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 diverted away. I go off on a tangent without realizing it, um, and I'm very aware of what I want to be doing over the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five years. And of course, that's constantly dynamically changing. But of course, the other important thing is that athletes' level of commitment isn't disproportionately increased as a result of a goal that they have, and that might be a process-based goal or a performance or outcome-based goal. It could be subjective, it could be objective, and that's that they don't move above compelled into an obsessive behaviour pattern. So we make sure that people don't get obsessive and that those obsessions can fall in all kinds of places. It can fall in the it can fall into the form of um um you know carrying on training when you should be taking a break, whether it be a long, a sustained break or a short break. It, that that's correct, it's obsessive. So if you do need a month off then you should take a month off. That's compelled, yeah? And you should feel compelled to take it for the right reasons. Not because you're exhausted, not because you can't be bothered, but actually my body and my mind need this month, so I'm going to take this month because this taking this month now supports what I want to do in a month's time. If I don't take a break now, it won't support it. Not, oh, I'm just, I'm just worn out, I'm going to take a break. That's, and I've never been like, never been like this in my job in the bank, never was it like as a hockey player. <laughs> never like it as a triathlete. I've never felt like that much in my life. And I think it's because I've always been reasonably good at finding balance and uh, making sure that I didn't strive. Or, no, either I didn't stri- I didn't set myself goals that I wasn't compelled mm. to achieve or I didn't adjust my perspective in such a way that I was still able to feel compelled. And actually, I might come back to that because that's quite useful. That is useful. Especially in my time in the bank. So we have to be careful that people don't get obsessed. You know, people don't get obsessed about things like body composition in the, in the off season. So they're they're comfortable with gaining weight if that's important for them to do for you know, for their body to have to relax. Um, or they don't obsess the other way and think, oh, it's the off season now is a great chance for me to sort my body composition out. So I'll go on this massive calorie deficit binge. <laughs> so we have to make sure that the balance is right um, and that obsessive behaviour doesn't come in place. And I was asked whether or not you know my choice to work all the time was an obsessive choice and I had to think quite hard about this and I'm confident the answer is no it's just because I really love what I do but because I find good balance I'm not at risk of burnout um and I know when that's coming and I'm good at disciplining myself and staying compelled around the processes to make sure that I don't burn out for me I think it's just an important behavior to demonstrate to others I think I have a responsibility to myself and my own physical and mental well-being. You know, I've been gifted with the privilege of, well, first of all, being alive, secondly, being physically and mentally healthy. And I don't want to, um, you know, squander that privilege, but also a lot of other people depend on me. And if I burn out, then those people won't get the benefits of my support and direction. So I can't burn out. So it's important for me to know when to stop before I get stopped so that, I don't let myself or other people down. It's very important. Mm. That's different from obsessively trying to people please or, you know, constantly making sacrifices to the detriment of your own physical and mental well-being because you feel obliged to help other people. Different. 
you know, I'm I'm quite happy to say no, as you as you well know, it's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's no. good because not a lot of people do. Mm. Yeah, you know, no, I'm not doing that um, because um, yeah, I'm too tired or I haven't got time or it's not a priority, you know. But I, you know, we'll talk about it. But you know, I'll, I might do it another time, whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really good skill that one. I think that's probably quite a key one for people to try and develop in the right way as well. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I mentioned just now, which I said I'd come back to, is this bit about perspective. Yeah. So, of course, when I worked in the bank, um, you know, I worked in Lloyds Banking Group from 1998 until uh, 2015. I think that's about right. But, and of course, for those of you that are aware of the financial services industry, I worked basically either side of the banking crisis, 2008, 2010 to 2010, was sort of that period, I guess, when we saw the biggest issues and transitions. And, you know, the bank um, was never not a toxic place. Banking, retail banking was never not a toxic place to work. It always was. It's just that we were better at pretending it wasn't after 2008. We changed our vocabulary um, and the way that we managed people to make it seem less toxic. In fact, ironically, it was probably more toxic because it was less sincere. You know, at least prior to 2008, everybody knew you know, what they were signing up for and how we were behaving. And what the goals were after 2008-2010 we sort of like pretended that we didn't have sales targets but still had them yeah um and um you know for me it, you know when i first started when i was very young i was very impressionable um you know the bank environment exploited the worst parts of my personality and I did feel quite motivated because I was quite motivated by earning more money I was quite motivated by status you've got to remember this is the late 1990s early 2000s as well so things were a bit different we'd just come out of the 80s when it was all very you know status and money oriented um and um you know I I thrived off that you know I lived I worked in a sales environment where we were rewarded for performance you know and performing at a high level nobody really challenged us about how we got there you know which is why the banking crisis happened you know if you get there you get there no one really cares how and um, you know I thrived off that I found that very motivating very exciting it gave me a buzz um, but also I wasn't stupid enough to not realise that some of the things we were doing were a little bit unethical. Um, there was a, there was a, a lack of morality in what we were doing, um, and you know that was something that people turned a blind eye to. No one really cared, but it did bother me, and it bothered a lot of the people that worked for me. And one of the things I pride myself on, and I hope the people that work with me feel this way. Some of them may not, because I'm not sure my delivery was always right back then. But one of the things I pride myself on is working really hard to focus the teams that work with me on the way that they did things. You know, we, we, we can do this, but let's focus on how we do it. You know, let's set goals around becoming a more effective team. You know, let's innovate new processes that we can implement that will help, you know, us hit these targets. Let's set ourselves a standard where we aim for the maximum opportunity, not just, you know, the maximum target delivery. So, you know, um, um, and, and adopting that approach actually was really, really effective. It did require more skill, it required more discipline. Um, it required more compliance with rules and regulations. Um, it, you know, it required more composure, commitment, consistency, all the things that we talk about. But actually, allowed people that could easily have been very demotivated by the lack of morality um, and ethical approach that banking industry took back then to still stay motivated because they were motivated by hitting the targets but hitting them in the right way how they got to the target was just as important as getting to the target and we created a culture and environment of that i had a conversation we ran a workshop this week didn't yeah. we with with an ex-colleague of mine he now runs his own financial advisory business and you know, we were reminiscing about that, the fact that it wasn't just about hitting the target, but how we hit the target was as important. And of course, that was the bit that kept us motivated because we were always trying to perfect the process, you know, and, and nail it, you know. And at the end of the day, we would often review even a, like a day where we didn't hit target or a zero you know, delivery day, we review and go, well, actually, it was still a good day because we did all these things right. Other days when we hit target or smash target, we'd often review it and go, well, it actually wasn't such a good day because we didn't do the things we were supposed to do well. And sometimes that might have been because the day was going well, you know, and, and some days, you know, doing things right might have been people going home early. You know, I wasn't averse to, 
to letting colleagues go home a bit earlier if they worked really hard, performed really well to make sure that they did have that balance because some of the, those individuals, particularly when there was money on the line or they were sales oriented, they could become a bit obsessive about doing more, 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 you know, work harder, more work, more hours, earn more money, that kind of thing. And then the risk is they get into that place of diminishing returns. And we've carried this process over both into passion fit as a business and into the culture with our athletes, haven't we? Yeah, where, we yeah. where the the assessment of our day is based around, okay, did we make the best use of the day? You know, you know, in the circumstances, was today the highest functioning version of the day that we could have had? And some days that might be doing nothing. Mm. Some days it might be doing nothing. Some days it might be right. Well, we're just going to go out for an easy bike ride in the sunshine or we're going to walk the dog, or we're going to just stop work at one o'clock, and we're all going to sit down and watch Avatar and read the Lego magazine. <laughs> People are thinking, how's that fun? That's fun to me. Um, but that might worry. I send you home often, don't I? Yeah, yeah, you which know. has been a, an interesting one for me to get my head around yeah. initially, because I wasn't used to that as a cultural thing at all. Yeah, so often, you know, I kick you out, and I say, right, you know, you need to go home and water my mum's plants. And, yeah. yeah, watch a film and chill out. Yeah. Actually, chill yeah. out properly. Yeah. And not, what I always found is interesting, especially when we're going around training camps, yeah. is when you take that chill out time, you're not doing something else. No. Because I think a lot of people think they're taking downtime, but then every five minutes they'll check their phone or like actually be doing something which is detracting from the quality of that time. Yeah, that's right. And I check up on you to make sure you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, don't I? I yeah. don't come round. <laughs> you <laughs> actually do know where I live. I message you to check that, don't I? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's quite important. And obviously we talked about the early morning sessions, yeah? Yeah. And sometimes I ban you from coming, coming in before a certain time, don't yeah. I? Um, to make sure that you don't obsess, you don't fall into the trap of being obsessive. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you'll push back as well and say, yeah. well, look, I... Look, if I am good with my end of day self care and I get myself home calm, relaxed, you know, wearing down in bed for eight o'clock. I do want to come in the morning. I know I don't need to, but I want to because that relatedness piece is important to me. And we'll have a two way discussion about that. And you know, as long as you can demonstrate to me that that's a compelled behaviour, not an obsessive one, yeah, then I'm comfortable with that, aren't I? As yeah, a coach. yeah. So. So this is the thing that's really important. Um, I think we may have digressed a little bit from topic here, but I think this is an important subject to, to cover. Um, and so there's a lot of things to think about there. There's, you know, are the goals the right goals for you to stay compelled? Both your short, medium and long-term goals, your process, your performance and your outcome goals, do they keep you um, compelled? Um, if they're goals that don't keep you compelled, can you change those goals and if you can't change those goals can you change the perspective of those goals so in fact i tell you what we might actually record that as an intro as well um so you might have already heard this if you're listening to it the second time through so that's the really important thing so and i think that's the really important part about being motivated and maintaining that that drive that momentum you know that's so important and not feeling to the, at the point where you just oh, I need you know I need a break you know where the off season itself is exciting because it's just another step in the process and even taking a break is exciting not a relief exciting because you know that taking the break is going to contribute to the next part that you're already motivated to take part in rather than oh I'm exhausted I'm going to take a break and then when I feel reinvigorated I'm going to start again actually I'm going to take a break because taking a break is important and I know it fits into that journey um so yes this is quite important and when we, we said you know your 2024 season starts now it does, it does because these decisions that make how you feel about that decision that process those steps is going to you know already start impacting on what happens in 2024 and let's be honest 2023 2024 is just arbitrary anyway yeah you know it's 31st of December first of January it, it isn't two separate things it's just a continuation of time um and you know because I'm you know well it's Lydia I'll tell you I'm not one for New Year's resolutions you know I find that a bizarre it's odd very odd you could pick any time of year yeah yeah it does make it strange where you know I'll, I'll wait till the new year to start just start now yeah if you need to start yeah there's <laughs> a bit of an odd one but um so I think you know we um you know, we have this kind of perception of that, but actually it's just a flow, you know, it's a flow. And, you know, for me, um, 
I I've just taken a you know I've raced in May and I'm an Lanzarote and I've argue, arguably taken a bit of an off season during the summer because I've done some structured training but I've also done a lot of unstructured training I haven't raced um, I've done a lot of gravel riding done a lot of mountain biking um, done a lot of coaching done a lot of um, development of the corporate coaching ideas that we've got practiced some of that um, had some breaks uh, done some rehab work um, I had like five weeks off running didn't I loads of tattoos I had some tattoos done yeah because uh, <laughs> um, of this the impact that has on being able to go into the pool and that was in the middle of the year when everybody else was obsessing over racing because I decided that I preferred to race earlier on at the start of this year just worked better for me I was quite keen to just have the summer to off because I rem- I recalled how much I enjoyed the lockdown summer and yeah. just riding my gravel bike around. I had some gravel routes I wanted to explore around the Cotswolds that I wanted to put together for our athletes. I had a new gravel bike that I wanted to try out. You know, all these, I wanted to learn some new skills on my mountain bike, all kinds of things. And, you know, if I'd done triathlon racing, I couldn't have done that. So I had a break uh, to do that instead. And I am now building my fitness back up because I do have a race coming. But again, I'm not obsessing over it. I'm doing, you know, good work program I'm following a structured effective program but I'm focusing much more on that than I am on whether or not I'm or I'm exactly at a certain point for that race on race day and in fact I've actually always raced better when I've I've done that train to process not to deadline (laughs) absolutely yeah so for a 70.3 it's a lot easier because you can do it it's not so easy for an Ironman especially at my age but it's easier for 70.3 so and then I'll race as you will Lids Ocean Lab at the end of October um we won't probably then race again in the winter because there's just no races on easy enough to get to. Um, I'm loath to go to Bahrain. My, my hypocrisy just doesn't stretch that far. Um, if Dubai's on, which it probably won't be, but if it's on, we might consider Dubai <laughs> yeah. in the new year. Um, and then we're probably going to do Grand Canary in April yeah. and so. So, so you know, it's it's a bit different. We're going to do a, a mountain bike race. Well, yeah, mountain bike race. And then oh, Ironman Lanzarote. Ironman Lanzarote. But that is kind of in the season, isn't it? But yeah, we're going to do. You and Lauren are going to do a four-stage four stage mountain bike yeah. race, which should be good fun. I'm not going to do four stages because I don't think my body will cope with four days of back-to-back mountain bike racing. But um, you and Lauren are going to do that. And that's in January, isn't it? Yeah, end of January. Mm. Should be good. Yeah. So there's a lot there to consider, guys. So, you know, if you're not feeling like I'm I'm hopefully, you know, demonstrating or explaining I'm feeling, then maybe there's some things you can think about. I'm sure we can help you. You can always reach out to us if we can. And um, the other phrase we used at the beginning was you're only as good as your, your, next, your next game. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I, um, I've always had people push back quite hard on this one. I like um, this one. You do like this one, don't you? And we used it once on a video of you, didn't we? And, yeah, and then after Outlaw, actually. <laughs> loads of people accused me of being a bit of a bully, I think, or something like that. But we'll see what people think. So <laughs> this is a phrase my dad used to use. I think it might have been Bob Paisley or Bill Shankly had said you're only as good as your last game. And my dad used to say, I don't, I, I do agree with that. He said, but I actually think it's more, it's deep, it goes deeper than that. You're actually only as good as your next game. You know, the game you've just played is gone. You know, you, it doesn't matter that. I mean, it's irrelevant. It, it's over. You know, and actually, <clears throat> it's the next one that really defines you and how you go about the preparation for that. Excuse me. <coughs> um, so, and um, he said that, you know, the second that the whistle goes, the decisions you make at that point will determine your preparation for the next game. So, for example, um, how you choose to think following the game you've just had. You know, what do you think about? Do you obsess over and dwell on the mistakes? The result may have not gone the way you wanted to. Do you let that affect you in a way that takes you into a pit of despair? Or do you all t- all immediately start considering the learning opportunity? Do you deliberately decide to just not think about it so you can just have that mental time away without thinking and then reflect further on (laughs) do you um rest do you train Mm. maybe you didn't play much of the game you know in hockey we had rolling subs maybe you didn't get on that match and actually there's an opportunity to play perhaps for the reserves the following day and you decide that that opportunity is there so you take it maybe you practice or train the next day unexpectedly um it's really important that you follow that process. Um, and, um, you know, 
it doesn't matter if you've just won 10 games in a row. If you lose the next 10, then the 10 that you've just won count, well, don't count for nothing, but they don't count for as much. So it's all about that ongoing personal development. And, you know, of course, you should allow yourself an opportunity to celebrate and reward yourself for the things that you do well, but they are gone. They are in the past now. And what comes next is the bit you can control and do something about, and that's really important. And, of course, we had this with you, didn't we, when you raced Outlaw yeah. in 2021. <clears throat> 2021? Yeah, oh, yeah 2021. And achieved your pro license gateway. And we ran the next day, we didn't did. we? Yep. And we'd always planned to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a process that we sometimes use, not all the time, not with all athletes, but occasionally we, we will run <clears throat> the day after a race. But a lot of that depends on what the next race goal is and when the next race is, doesn't yes, it? Yeah. And how you uh, bounce back from that race. How you feel after the race and how conditioned you were going into the race, all those sorts of things. It's not like a blanket, we always do it, but on this occasion it was the right choice for you. And a lot of people said, oh, you know, you're not going to let Lydia celebrate her win and, and, and qualifying for her pro license gateway. And I was kind of like, why? You know, like, yes, we, we're, I'm pleased. And, you know, but that race was a part of a process. It wasn't like the end of a process. It was part of a process. And this is what we all plan to do. That doesn't change because she won the race and qualified for a pro license suddenly this run doesn't become less important because that happened yeah. <laughs> um so um we we did it didn't we yeah and, and and it was important because it contributed to the next step in your journey which in the end um well, it didn't really culminate but it it, it led to an ongoing a, 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 an ongoing set of steps that took you into 2022 and yeah. then into Ironman Lanzarote and then a succession of um, great race executions and, and lots of learning and stuff like that, didn't it? Yeah, it did. and, and of course, now you can draw on all of that experience yeah. to make decisions now. So yeah. all of these things are important. So, and you didn't really have any great desire to just celebrate, did you? No, not at all. No. I mean, like you're the one who usually says to me that I need to take a moment mm. to like pat myself, some, well, sometimes, sometimes pat myself on the back and or, well, more just assess the race a bit of pragmatically and objectively, have a yeah. look at it, see what I've achieved and then I would quite happily, as soon as I've kind of crossed that line, okay, quick review, where am I at? Okay, and then on to the, onto the next yeah. thing, um, rather than bask in that moment yeah. too too much. Yeah. Because I think that's the other thing, is you look at it both ways, don't you? Yeah. Especially when you're going into yeah. this time of year now, some yeah. people might have had a great season, yeah. and that also can have yeah. a bad impact. Um, what's the phrase of complacency kills? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And your desire to, to do that session the day after wasn't, founded on obsession no. it was founded on a compelled approach step? in fact after that you then had a break yeah it did but we deliberately decided to, yeah. to take that opportunity um and you know for example if you did a race and then said to me you want to go mountain biking in the evening i wouldn't because you just love mountain biking yeah. i wouldn't be averse to considering that as an option um as long as it wasn't self-sabotaging or putting you at disproportionate risk or being driven by the wrong behaviors or wrong mindset as long as it was just look, I really just like mountain biking and I feel okay and I'll, you know, I'll um, compensate for it, balance it with these other decisions that later in the week I would, we would would certainly talk about it, wouldn't we? So so I think this is the thing to consider, guys, is that, you know, you are only as good as your next game. You might have just had the best season ever and you know what? It might be remembered, but the reality is you're only as good as your next game and You've been blessed, a lot of us will have been blessed with the privilege, not everybody, sometimes things happen to us that does prevent that, but a lot of us will be blessed with the privilege that we are able to do something more after we've achieved our last goal. And I don't think that privilege should be squandered. I think we should utilise it. You know, every day, gosh, it sounds a bit cliche, I sound like some sort of religious philosopher now, but it's true, every day is a blessing. You know, it's an opportunity to do something and... um, it's a blessing, it's an opportunity that not everybody and a privilege not everybody will get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you really want to squander and waste that? I'm not saying you should recklessly live every day as if it's your last. That would be crazy. Um, but you, you do need to consider the fact that each day you've been given is, is a privilege and have you used it the way that you could have done to your best of your ability. And we have a lot of athletes in the Passion Fit community that specifically work with us because they faced unique challenges that have made them less certain when their last day might be or 
when they would have enough control over their own life to be able to be fulfilled and happy because someone else was controlling their life journey. And it's wonderful when you see those athletes embrace that privilege that they have. You know, they, they feel, we have one athlete in particular, we, we chuckle about it a bit because um, every time we do a virtual session, even the hardest of virtual sessions, this athlete's immediate feedback is, that was excellent. <laughs> um, and I did wonder at one point whether that could really be the case, um, whether we were just getting fed lip service. But do you know what? We definitely aren't no. by this individual, knowing what we know about them. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why this individual um, probably feels like that about every session, even the ones that haven't gone the way they planned. Yeah. You know, because they have an ability to always look at the opportunity that any session offered, even when it felt tougher than it should, because to this individual, I think every day and every session they do is a privilege and they've never they've never got into a, that complacent state of mind where they've forgotten that. And I think everybody else feeds off that. Yeah, they do. Don't they? Yeah. You know, they, everybody else thinks, well, you know, actually, yeah, my, my situation, certainly my physical situation is nowhere near as challenging as individuals and, you know, they're loving it. Yeah. Maybe I should, should be also. thinking about whether I do or not. And it's amazing how much you can actually choose... Yeah. to you know uh take that approach yeah yeah agreed. um so the 2023 might be coming the 2023 season or summer might be coming to an end but um although the weather forecast looks pretty good for next week um <laughs> and we're going to Lanzarote in two weeks so yeah. our summer isn't coming to an end but and 2024 might be a few months away and your first race of 2024 might be a few months away but that doesn't mean that that things suddenly stop. They might change, they might adjust, they might change the direction, the flow might might be adapted, but ultimately, um, you know, every single day is an opportunity for you to be adding value to your future. It might be taking a break, it might be resting, it might be doing something else. So have a think about that. Um, and as always, if you want a community to help support you with that mindset, that philosophy, that approach, then reach out to us because I'm sure we can help you and the fantastic athletes that we have in the community will help because they, they definitely help me. Yeah, and me. And we're pretty motivated people. We are, yeah. But we still get a lot of motivation from the people Being around us. Okay, so I think that's it, isn't it? That is it. That, yeah. is, what you want to, that is what you wanted me to that talk is about, exactly isn't it? exactly it. Yep, spot on. Spot on. Good job. That is the second time in two days I've been told that yeah, I've got I mean. something spot on. Lauren told me uh, that I got something spot on yesterday, which I think may be the first time in 15 years <clears throat> she's been um, saving that one. Yeah. Uh, and you just told me the same thing today. Yeah, well, hopefully someone will make, will make it three times in a row because we need to try and keep you a bit grounded. Yeah. I'll assume, I'll just pretend Logan said I got one of his ball throws spot on. <laughs> He's fed in breakfast well. <clears throat> yeah, fed in breakfast well. Okay, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, as always, um, share and subscribe is that what we have to say Liz yep that's the one like, share. Su- like subscribe share I think like subscribe and share send us comments and feedback on anything that we've said yep um, and um, uh, if you um, if you want to know a little bit more if you've got any questions or if you like, there's anything you'd like us to talk about then let us Get know in touch. and we'll try and do that at future podcasts okay thanks a lot take care have a good day bye